The following for the city sermon is from our sermon series by Pastor Scott Rising entitled Feast for Failures from the book of Luke. We hope you enjoy it. All right. Hey, so no surprise if you've been with us for any amount of time, we've been going through the gospel of Luke, right? A feast for failures. We're in a section of Luke that's, that's been titled, uh, let's call it the Sermon on the Plain. I didn't title it that. That's really what many people have called this sermon. We've been looking for the last two weeks, and this will be the third week, and next week will be the last week. So four solid weeks to look at Jesus' sermon on the plain, right? Uh, if you remember a couple weeks ago... You had the Beatitudes, which I think a lot of people are familiar with, right? The blessings and the woes. And, and really what we boiled those things down to was to say, this is what God values, right? It's completely different than what the culture values. The culture values well. Jesus says, blessed are you if you are poor and hungry. And you're like, that doesn't seem like blessing, right? But, but if we remember, the reason you're blessed is because you are in the kingdom. You're blessed. No matter your circumstances, you're blessed. Why? Because I'm your king and I'm good to all. I'm good to you if you're weeping. I'm right there with you. I'll weep with you, right? So then that was a couple weeks ago. Last week, we, we really looked at like how the community ought to be engaging with those who are outside the community and particularly those who are hostile towards those in the community, right? So love your enemies. Whoa. That sounds a little different, right? Our mantra has always been, you know, curse and hate. I can get down with that, Jesus. No, no, bless, love, seek to do well to them, be active in doing good. <laughs> okay, that's pretty tough stuff. And if you thought that was tough stuff, whew, glad we're done with that last week, Pastor Scott. Jesus is done. This week's just as challenging. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's been kicking my behind all week as I've been thinking on this text, because now he says, okay, love your enemies. But now he's saying, we're going to talk about how you interact in the community, right? How do you interact inside the community? And so that's what Jesus is going to talk about. And then spoiler alert for next week. So you can decide whether you want to come. Just kidding, right? (laughs) Next week, he's going to talk about the transformation that needs to happen. You need a new heart. Fig trees, you know, listen, I have shrubs and weeds throughout my yard, right? And they don't produce figs, right? Right, because you know what? They're not a fig tree, right? It has to be transformed, right? So you can pretend to be this good person. He says, but that's got to come from the heart. And then what's amazing is right after that, he's going to talk about faith and obedience. But guess what? Heart transformation has to happen first. You need a new heart that loves God and that desires God. And then he's going to talk about building a foundation on that. Why I give you that overview is because Holly said it well when she was reading the text. We read this whole thing in, like, in that whole section of context because Jesus has one major thought that's happening there, and we're taking the time to look at it. But if you don't look at it in context, you can start to say things Jesus is not saying. So we're trying to teach you a a proper way. And you may already know well. You may know better than me how to read your Bible. But we want you to understand. We want to see the truth that Jesus has for us in his word. Okay? So that's a long introduction. But I think it's it's worthy and and worth taking our time to do. So just one last recap. Remember this. Love is to be the distinctive mark of a disciple. Love. The aim of our charge is love. This, This theme will not go away. This is the nail that Jesus loves to pound. 
He just talks about love all day long. And we talked enough about it last week, but it's not love like our culture thinks of love. It's way different, right? And so we can't begin to understand the point of Jesus' commands unless we see them in light of God's character. It's important to see it that way. And his love towards us as weak, ungodly sinners who he brings into the family. He brings into the community through repentance and faith. And so that's why verse 36 is so important. Verse 36 is so important to this text that it, it's like the fulcrum. I'm not going to get into all that. But, but know this. It's the hinge point that keeps everything anchored. Right? So I'm going to read it again. Because, well, we, we, did, we touched on that last week. Right. And, and it's the thing that literally connects this week. So it says this. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Remember, he's talking to his disciples. Your Father. Your Father in heaven be like him well what's he like well you're going to know because jesus essentially he's saying i'm the exact imprint you want to know what the father's like i've come to reveal him right but we also know through his teaching so be merciful by the way mercy is is not getting what you deserve that's what it is it it cancels the million dollar debt right you owe it mercy is you don't have to pay it wow grace is you don't have to pay it, and here's a trillion dollars in your bank account. So it's, so it's different. It is different, but it cancels the debt. That's what it is. So now, with all that in mind, let's get to our text for this morning. We're going to break it down. Uh, we're going to look at the first two verses because there's a lot in there. Ready? Luke 6, 37 through 38. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive And you will be forgiven, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. All right? You're familiar with this text. I know you are, right? Here it is. This is every secular unbeliever's favorite verse. I can say that because I was totally lost for 23 years. And I never went to church at all. And I knew that verse, a little out of context, right? But, but I knew it. I mean, I would have tattooed it, but I didn't have money back then. And so it wasn't as encouraged. Judge not. It used to say, lest you be judged. That's how I always remembered it, right? Um, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Um, there are many people within this world who have never taken the time to read the scripture. I was one of them. And committed this to memory. This is their life verse. It, you, it may, be, may even be you. And that's, that's a, if that's where you're at, it's okay. But it's time to get your thinking corrected. Because here's the deal. The, the problem is the way that people use, use this verse, right? It, and they use it in an attempt to silence their critics, right? What we want is we want to get to truth, right? And so really what they're saying is you do not have the right to tell me I'm wrong. And that is my posture right? That's what people mean when they say, you don't judge me. This, this is the battle cry of tolerance. Oh, there's the word that the world just loves to promote. And by the way, I would say it's the most intolerant world I, I've ever seen in my short 47 year existence, right? When I was one, I wasn't really thinking about it, but everyone screams tolerant, but they're, they're intolerant unless you agree with their tolerant view. 
And so this is, boy, this is very, the Bible is always relative, by the way, I hate that word for the most part. Um, it's always relative. Why? Because God's word is always timely. Because it's eternal, right? And so, is that what Jesus is saying? You don't have the right to tell me I'm wrong? No, it's not what he's saying. It's not what he's saying at all. I mean, if you have that view, the only problem with that is the Bible. And you're going to see that in this text. You're going to see that, which is why it's really important that we actually read and seek to understand. Of course, that's not what he means. Even the immediate context wouldn't allow for that, right? Log spec, right? He says, take the telephone pole out of your face before you help your brother or your sister take a speck out of their eyes. That means you've got to make some judgments here, buddy. Discern who you follow. Don't follow a blind person if you yourself are blind. Why? Doesn't end well. Doesn't end well, right? Later, he's going to say, observe the fruit of the person's life, right? Which means I got to make some judgments here. I got to make some judgments. So he cannot mean judge nothing. Never think about it. So that's, that's not what he means. It will be clear what Jesus is actually saying. He's not saying we should never exercise judgment. That's not what he's saying. It's not even possible to do that. Think about I want you, actually I don't want you to do that. I've got to be very careful. Imagine trying to not exercise judgment tomorrow on any thoughts. Should I cross the road? Doesn't matter. Just go. Hope it works well for you, right? Person's coming towards you with a gun. You're like, should I run? Maybe, right? You're making judgments all day long. But is that what he's saying? Of course not. Jesus doesn't mean that we're supposed to overlook the sins of others. And if we do, then God will do likewise. That doesn't even make sense, right? If you don't judge anyone, don't worry. When you die and stand before King Jesus, he won't judge you. Sounds good. Sounds great. Sounds like salvation by works, but it doesn't sound like truth, right? So what is Jesus seeking to get at? Good question. Let's get at it. The first point is Jesus' disciples are to be welcoming, forgiving, and generous. And I think you can see that. I, thought, I, I labored hard on this word welcoming. Welcoming, I thought the real a good word would be accepting, but boy, that has so many different understandings within our culture. So it's a posture of, of graciousness of people inside the community, and I would say even people outside. So listen, if you've ever been a part, uh, uh, been around for the City Church for any length of time, then you've probably heard, or hopefully you've even experienced, that we, we seek to be a very welcoming community. We do. We don't probably do that perfectly. Actually, we don't do that perfectly, but we strive to be a place where you are seen, where you're loved, where you're cared for. That's the, that's the posture that we strive to have here, okay? Which is why, uh, if you've been here any length of time, you may have heard, we value this thought. One is belonging, right? So when we interact with you, you belong. Now, we don't mean you belong to the church, that happens through repentance, through faith, right? You come in, and Jesus defines those terms. But you're our friends. You really are friends. You belong. We're going to invite you over to cookouts. We're going to hopefully get invited to your house, and, and you're our people. That's what it means, right? And we're praying that if you don't love Jesus, that if you've not put your faith and trust in him, that through that interaction and through the proclamation of the gospel, that there would become a time where you'd be convicted of sin and place your trust in Jesus Christ, and you would believe the good news of Jesus. 
And we know because of the Word of God that if that happens, then what will happen is throughout time, your behavior will be transformed, right? So you belong, right? We're praying that you believe. And as you believe, the Holy Spirit's at work in you and through you, and it, he starts to work out your behavior, right? And, and that happens all within the realm of community. However, it's, it's been my experience personally even that not all Christians and or churches embrace that mindset. And I'm saying that is the mindset Jesus' community put out there as they went about. That's what I'm saying, right? But instead, here's what it happens a lot of times. You maybe go to a church and they want to know, do you behave, right? Do you listen to the same music I listen to? Do you watch the same shows that I watch? Do you have angel vid? I mean, seriously, right? Uh, do you have Reese's King of King t-shirt on, right? I'm poking a little bit of fun here, but are you like us? Do you behave? And, and if you do, we're going to find out if you really believe, you know, like really, like serious, like radically believe, Right? And if you do, well, then maybe in time you belong, right? That's, that's so backwards. <laughs> Jesus went and, and broke bread with Levi, the tax collector. Now, make no mistake about it. His going there was about bringing repentance and faith. It was about bringing change. But he went there as he was. And he was belonging there. And he was, he's good news, right? He himself is good news. He is truth. He is grace. And it's all about to see this community go from darkness into light, all right? And believe. And now he's like, well, follow me, and we're going to work out this whole behavior thing, right? Wildly different. So sometimes you go into a community, and immediately you're being sized up. You know, they're looking at your clothes. They're looking at your piercings, tattoos, right? Uh, Instagram. If you hang out long enough, they'll look at your Instagram, right? <laughs> They'll view your, your history on Netflix if you let them into the house. You're going to the restroom, they're like, I wonder what they watch, right? I'm just kidding. Uh, what Spotify do you listen to, right? Um, who are your political camps, right? And who's your friend group? They look a little sketch, right? And like, have you met me? Have you met me? You think my friends are sketch? Have we hung out, right? But in all of that, everybody's making judgments, whether or not you're worthy to be in that group. All right, it's judgmental. It's very judgmental. By the way, that kind of judgmentalism, right, if that's the word, is merciless. There's no mercy involved in it. You're already pronouncing them scum. That's what you're doing. Or if they rise to the level that you think's okay, well then, whoo, because they were nice and liked something on, you know, Facebook, I think they're a Christian. <laughs> oh, how crazy. Because they like something that looked Christian on Facebook. They're, they're born again. Mm, maybe. The reason this is bad is because it always puts people in the worst of light. It always assumes the worst. It's very critical. Here's my question for you. And I'm asking you because I've been asking it throughout the week. Because I think the text requires that you ask it. Is that you? Is that you? Is that you? Is that your posture towards people? If so, then that's a scary place to be, right? Now, now, listen, there's grace, but if that's you, there's a couple things going on. That's a sign of spiritual cancer, and I don't know what stage you're in, but it ain't good. you got to turn from that. you got to seek to receive grace, to be a gracious person, right? Um, or at worst, it's a sign of spiritual death that you've never actually tasted and believed. 
See, because here's the deal. Gospel 101, right? You know, if you like football, Vince Lombardi says, this is a football. He's talking to NFL players. They know what a football is, but he kept bringing them back to basics, right? Gospel 101 is that those who have been forgiven by Christ love much. They love much. It's always the measurement. It's not how much you know. I know lots of people who know lots of things and love no one but themselves and their intellect. It's, does my love build up to love? Right? Have I received the love of Christ and has it overflowed into the lives of the people that I have come into contact with? What Jesus is seeking to get at is, is that a judgmental or a critical spirit nature right, should not be the characteristic of those who have received great mercy. It shouldn't be a marker of his people. It's, why? Because it's not loving. It's not loving. That's why I'm always shocked when and I'm not trying to beat up the church. I love the church. Jesus died for the church. I'm pro-church, man. I'm like church guy. Like I love the church. But sometimes we have to, we have to, do we have a log in our eye? There's times we have to look so that we can actually help. So we can be helpful with the speck, right? And so there's times we have to do that. And Jesus is taking us to a very, I wouldn't say a, a woodshed. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help us so that we can be a helpful people. So we can be a helpful people. Why? So that we can magnify the great mercy in Christ. That's why. It's about his glory. It's about his grace. It's about his fame, name, renown. We get to represent him. And we want to represent him well. Right? Amen. All right, cool. So the second part is that we see we should have a posture of forgiving. Notice that Jesus links his demand for a welcoming or, let's say, non-judgmental heart posture with the demand for a forgiving heart. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Once again, just to be clear, Jesus is not implying that a person can be forgiven of his or her sins by forgiving others. That's not what he's saying, right? Rather, God's mercy must and will make us merciful. I'm going to say it again. God's mercy must and will make us a merciful people. And that'll be seen in our posture of forgiveness. It really will be, right? If it doesn't, then we probably never have understood the truth and the magnitude of God's grace in the gospel, or we've never accepted and received his mercy. That's probably what it would mean then. See, many people who profess to have asked for God's forgiveness have actually not been transformed by it. I mean, you see this all the time, and I, I'm not like I've arrived. I haven't. Oh, my goodness. Let's hang out, right? But, but we see this. Where do we see this? Par particularly in relationships. That's how you know. And the relationships that are closest to you, <laughs> as I see my wife. We had conflict last night, right? Um, oh, oh, we're the only ones. It's cool, right? Um, <laughs> We're open books, bro. I'm just letting you know. Like, we've not arrived. We are not grace graduates. We need grace. We need mercy, right? We're still working it out this morning. It's all good. She knows I love her. She loves me. We're solid. But, but we had some conflict. But our heart towards one another is forgiveness. Why? Because we're great? <laughs> no. Pay attention. Because we've received forgiveness. And, and Jesus is great. And now we want to be like him. And we don't measure up most days. Thankfully, Jesus measured up in our place, on our behalf. 
And now he's working this, this heart of forgiveness out in us and through us as we seek to obey him. So we see it in relationships that, that were unforgiving. But you also see it on social media. I don't have time to go into that. But I mean, my goodness, you want to talk about a culture that is unforgiving. I mean, think about it. Will Smith was the man in Hollywood at one time. Right? I would sing the song for you, but I would embarrass myself. And, but born and, uh, born and raised, right? West Philadelphia, right? I'm not going to. But you get it. He was always like, he's like Jesus. Till he just like smacked homeboy on the stage. And he didn't give his other cheek, so he's not paying attention, right? <laughs> Little joke. Um, and no one forgives him. That community, man, they, they eat your own until... You're fine as long as you're what we want you to be, but you mess up, you step out of line, you're gone. Jesus is saying our people ought to be different. It ought to be different, right? Um, this doesn't mean that, that you won't struggle to forgive. The greater the sin, the greater the struggle, right? You will struggle to forgive or, or that you... You won't be, as soon as you do it, you'll be free from bitterness or you'll be free from hatred. It doesn't say that at all, but that we will work at being a forgiving people and we will ultimately forgive, right? Ask yourself, ask yourself this, are churches famous for their love? Are churches famous for their forgiveness? Are churches famous for their graciousness towards skeptics and unbelievers? And even within their own community. Do you know any church like that? And if you do, man, be there. But this is what Jesus is saying. Let's, let's be, let's be a famous for being a welcoming people, a forgiving people. Not a, a permissive or a passive people. And he's going to get to that, by the way. So, let's keep moving. The next thing we see is a posture of generosity. Right? Jesus connects his demand for a welcoming and forgiving heart posture with a command for a posture of generosity. Look at verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You might be like, what is Spock saying there? All right, well, let's work. By the way, this has got to be another very misquoted text. I mean, this is, I don't know, it's in the top 10 probably, right? This has nothing to do with receiving extravagant economic benefits by giving more. Sorry, spoiler alert. The prosperity gospel is garbage, by the way. Um, it, it really is because it, it just uses people, right? Jesus was and is the most generous man who's ever walked the face of the earth, and he died homeless. <laughs> So apparently, his plan ain't working for him. I mean, see how silly it is? Right? You, I'm going to give more to get more. Who's that about? That's well, about you. Right? I'll write some fat checks so I can get some fat checks back. I'm going to go play the Powerball. Is that what he's saying? Of course it's not what he's saying. Jesus is not encouraging his disciples to give away their wealth in order to get more wealth in return. It's not right? We give, and by the way, this is a huge mark of a Christian is generosity. It really is. We give because we've been recipients of extravagant grace in Christ. So our nature has been transformed. We're like Mr. Krabs, right? Money, money, money. We love treasure, right? But in Christ, you can laugh here. It's all good. We love Christ. You didn't do that. He gave you a heart to love him, 
So the things of the world start to lose their grip on you as you start to love him. Now, man, wealth is not my God. I need it. I want to be generous with it. I want to be a good steward of it, but it doesn't own me. And if I lose it, I'm not crushed. I might have to work through that for quite a while, right? But I know ultimately I'm in the hand of God and he's my treasure. Therefore, I'm secure right? And so I'm, I want to be a generous person. I don't want to hold on to things with my white dead knuckles. I don't want to give it up. This is why the whole thought of bunkers, beans, and bullets is insanity. And if you don't even know what I'm talking about right now, well, I'll give you a little understanding, but then we got to keep moving. But there's this thought that like the rapture's coming, right? Like it's like Jurassic Park or something. And like, and before it happens and when he get, they get here, we got to make sure that we're ready to take care of our own. So let's dig a hole and let's all get in the ground. Let's store up some rice and let's store up some beans. Let's put some bullets in there. Why? So when they come to get your rice and your beans, you'll kill them? That's insanity. You know what I say? Give away all your rice and beans and no one will want you. You know, to die of starvation, but to die is game. <laughs> now, that needs a little more unpacking. But seriously, we should not be a people who's holding on to our things so much as though we don't have a God who will provide. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? When the Son of Man returns, because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. You know what we want to be full of? I mean, yeah, I want some rice and beans. Cool. Full of love. And, and if, if we are dying of starvation, He will provide enough grace to make it to the end. And then you'll live in eternity. And you'll be in the fullness of God. And you'll never want again. Right? This is the community he died to create. Think about it. this. Is, this, He died to create this community. And, and so it's, it's wildly different than what, what many people think. It's wildly different than what I think. I mean, Jesus is always aligning and reconnecting my brain to the heart of truth. Right? So we give because we've been recipients of extravagant grace. Because our nature's been transformed. Um, notice the picture that's being painted here, right? It's, it's here of someone giving grain. That's really the picture. The grain is pressed down. So imagine like a burlap sack. Grain is pressed down, right? So that it'll hold as much as possible. Then it's, it's kind of shaken, right? So that you can fill in all the cracks, every space possible. Then they put it in your lap and they give you a little bit more. It's spilling out over and now you've got grain. It's this picture of like just abundance, Right? Do you see the picture that he's painting there? And you might be like, eh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not Amish and I haven't gotten grain in some time. Probably true. Um, but have you been to Five Guys? Because you might not understand grain, but I'm guessing most of you understand French fries. So last night, I'm, I'm binging a show, eight episodes, right? Like, this is what I was doing yesterday. Judge me, it's cool. And I wanted French fries so bad. And I wanted a milkshake. And it's like 9 o'clock at night. And, and, and I go there and I saw some people from our church. It was just fun. We got to talk and hang out. But here's what I like about Five Guys. First off, they're too expensive. But God bless them, right? Everything's inflation. It's all there, right? But they will give you some fries. I swear they give you the same amount of fries no matter what size you order. Because they give you the cup. And they, they will stack it and pack it and they'll shake it all around. And then they just fill up the bag. 
And I'm like, why did I pay $6 more to get the same amount of fries? I should have just got this. But they're generous with their fries. He's saying, be like that. Be like the guys and the gals at Five Guys. I mean, this is really to cause us. This illustration is to cause us to think about the abundance of God's love that's just being poured out on his people. And the grace that, that's been poured out on us, then let us, by God's grace, pour out on others. In the way we welcome people, in the way we forgive people, and in the way we interact with them, right? And, and so, receiving God's abundant grace creates a generous people. And, and when we hear generous almost in church, we always hear the call to give more money. By the way, you should give, but he's talking holistically, time, talent, treasure. I mean, some, some of the most valuable thing you could ever give somebody is yourself. I'll be there. I'll be there. I don't have all the answers, but I'm, I'm there for you. Man, that, that's generous. That's generous, right? And so there's a time where maybe you don't even have the money to give. Maybe you need to receive money. Okay, but, but it's the heart of generosity that Jesus is creating within his people. Okay? So you should... You should try to get to a point where you don't need to keep raising your level of income to meet your level of standard. Find the standard, stay there, and then if you keep getting raises, be more generous with it. But open your home. I'm glad people make money. Make money. Be good stewards of it. Be generous with it. Get a big house because we need more room for our community group. Right? I don't mind. I mean, I've heard preaching that makes you feel so bad if you go to Starbucks and get a, a, a cafe, mochaccino, latte, whatever, right? It's $87 later. I think it's stupid. It's not even good coffee, but whatever. You can do that and still be generous. You can do that and still be generous. You could never do that, only drink Sanka and be stingy. I mean, God is just, he's reshaping how we think about life in this, Right? And if not, wake up, pay attention. All right, Amy Carmichael, uh, missionary, can't get into all of it. She said this. She says, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Amen, sis. Couldn't agree more. Disciples of Christ are not stingy. They're just not. They're generous. They give, they give, they give of themselves. Once again, what Christ is connecting us to is that we should be a welcoming people. We should be a forgiving people. We should be a generous people inside this community. And, oh, by the way, spoiler alert, in John he says, and you will know my disciples by how they love one another. And these are all aspects of love, okay? So the reason we're able to be this kind of transformed community is because this is how Christ has met us, right? You always have to go back to the good news of Jesus Christ. The, the, Christianity is not just do something. Hurry up, get busy, do something. It's, it's, it is finished. It's done. It's done. And we receive. And our resting does look like activity, but it's not to get, it's because we've already got. It's wildly different than how most people will present Christianity. Christ has transformed his people. You were dead in your sins, and if you're trusting in Christ, you've been made alive in Christ. Therefore, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You're a new creation, right? At one time, this would break down, but you're a little, you know, chubby little worm, right? And now you went in your little cocoon, boom. Now you're a butterfly. You're a whole new creature. 
You're a whole new creature. At one time, you were not welcoming. Now you're welcoming. At one time, you were not forgiving. I was the most unforgiving person that you would have never wanted to meet until Jesus Christ changed my heart. I, I was, and I still wrestle with these things at times, right? Why? Because he's, he's transforming me from one degree to another. Newsflash, so is he doing that with you if you're in Christ. You've not arrived. I've not arrived. We're continuing by God's grace to be transformed but we labor in this. It's a grace-driven effort. We don't wait to get zapped. We don't wait to get zapped. We're a community that seeks Christ. And as we seek him, this is why most people don't want to get into communities to be known and to know people because you'll see I've not arrived. You'll see I'm not a forgiving person, right? I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the reason we don't want to get to know people is because then my charade is up. Well, can I just tell you though, you won't grow if you're not in community. You won't. And you'll come. It's easy to keep your stuff together for two hours on a Sunday. You're like, well, I'm struggling. Well, okay. For most people, it's pretty easy. See, Jesus welcomed us through repentance and faith. And though he is and was the judge of the universe, he never delighted in pointing out people's failures or condemn them in a mocking way. Never. Instead, he did. He would, he would always expose sin Right? In order to give mercy, though. Uh, is that who we are? Right? Because you might start hearing this and say, yeah, we're just, just going to be this one big old fuzzy nice people. Mm, hang in there. We're not done. His condemnation is on those who have refused to receive mercy and repent. And if you, right now, I'm just telling you, like if, and I don't get any joy in saying this, but if you have not trusted in Jesus Christ for your salvation... If you have not turned from your sin and placed your faith and trust in him, you are under God's wrath. That's not a good place to be. And yet, in his kindness, he has welcomed you to come and to receive extravagant grace and forgiveness. How is that? By, by trusting in him, believing in him. Right In his life, in his death, in his triumphant resurrection, knowing that he has now made a way for sinful humans like you and I to come near to the throne of grace and to receive God as Father. He's done it all. And what do we do? We trust him. We trust him. We turn from out, essentially, being king and queen of our lives, right, to trusting the king of the universe, right? We believe it's by repentance, it's by faith that we receive this gift of mercy. And, and it is a gift. You can't earn it. You and I could never do anything to cause God to, to forgive us because you and I could never wipe away the record of debt. You and I are sinners by nature and by choice and therefore we're under God's wrath. But in God's kindness, he has sent his son to do everything that we could never do in living a perfect life, in willingly going to the cross and dying a substitutionary death in order to triumphantly raise from the dead, defeating Satan's sin and death and making a way for all people to trust and believe in this good news of Jesus Christ and receive forgiveness, be welcomed into the family, be adopted into the family. I mean, he says, you're mine. I've done it all. Come, receive, drink of living water. And as you do, from your own heart will flow rivers of living water. This is what he's talking about. This is the introduction in Luke as he gets ready to go on mission with his disciples. Jesus was and is forgiving, right? Um, even as he was beaten, being beaten, 
mocked, nailed to a cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. I mean, think about that. Is that our, uh, that's definitely not our posture. I mean, no one's ever crucified you. Otherwise, this is a weird day for me, right? Um, but we're not even in that posture with people who might have said something that might have been a little sideways and you're just adding a lot of color to it. He, even as he's being nailed to the cross, Father, forgive them, right? He was and is generous. And this is seen most explicitly in the gospel, right? Look, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Right? Left heaven, became poor, so that we could receive this gift of grace, go to heaven and be rich in God. Right? See the picture? Friends, has the gospel transformed you? Is the gospel transforming you? I mean, seriously, ask yourself, are you welcoming and accepting, right? By the way, you can be welcoming to sinners who are obviously rebelling against God without being affirming towards them. And you should. You should. You should never be cheering someone's sin on. It's not loving. It's not loving, right? So you can be welcoming and accepting without affirming their sin. I don't affirm your sin, but I love you. Well, you know, if you love me, then you would accept me just the way I am and affirm everything I do. Well, I, I can't go there, but I can tell you this. I'm for you. I do love you. And this is what that looks like, right? I want to do good for you. Are you forgiving? Not meaning passively permissive. See, there's sometimes people that look very forgiving, but they just hate conflict. And they, they're, they're considered very forgiving. Well, you're not probably, you like yourself a whole lot, so you're protecting you don't actually engage in the conflict to where you might have to really work through forgiveness. And forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation. But are you? Are you generous? And I don't mean just with money, right? If not, then a couple of things are at play, and then we're going to move on to the last part. One, you've just never humbly received the gift of salvation. But my guess is most of you have. But most likely, if, if you're none of those things, and you're like, well, I'm, I'm trusting in Jesus, and I have the gift of the Holy Spirit, you're probably not connected to anybody who knows you. That's probably the, I'm, tell, I'm just telling you, that's probably why there's no real growth in your life. Or you control the people who are around you, and they only get to see what you want them to see, because I don't want my charade to be up, right? Because if you're connected to a group of people who have not arrived, that are intentionally seeking to be more like Christ, guess what you're going to have an opportunity to do? Bear with one another. Welcome people that you don't necessarily probably would invite any other way. F bear with them, forgive them, all the different things. Have your toes stepped on by them, step on their toes, and now have to work through this awkward dance of what we say, enemies becoming family and loving one another. That happens in community. It really does. Individuals stunt their growth because of isolation. Um, and, and, and they learn more knowledge and it never transfers into their living because they'll go online and they'll listen to what they consider great preachers. And let's just say they are great preachers. And, and all of their connections through the online world, but you'll not grow just from information alone. Information alone does not transform. It just doesn't. Satan knows more about God than you'll ever know. And he doesn't love God. 
So, so information and transformation happen as the Holy Spirit's at work in the believer and the believer's in a community, in a body where we're building one another up. We're healing. Oh, you're bleeding. I see that. Let me put a hand here and stop that bleeding and let's get some care here. The body brings healing to each other by God's means of grace. And each of you are a means of grace in each other's lives. We need each other. And not just on Sunday morning. Not just on Sunday morning. Okay, don't believe me? Well, Jesus continues. 6, 39 through 42. He also told him a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? (laughs) Jesus got some jokes, by the way, right? (laughs) Will they not both fall into a pit, right? Uh, So just briefly, don't take lightly the task of leading or teaching others because you could do much harm. Do you only surround yourself with people who agree with you? That's the blind leading the blind right? Okay, and it continues, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher, right? Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, notice the the word brother, this matters, this is in the family, it's talking about church. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye? Uh, I'm going to start over. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out that speck that is in your eye? When you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take out the log from your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Jesus definitely does have jokes. This is actually a really funny picture. I mean, just, just imagine with me for a moment that you're working with some wood and you got some sawdust in the corner of your eye and you've been trying to get it, but the more you try to get it, the more you mess it up. And you're like, I think I need to go to the doctor. They're going to wash out my eye or something like that. You go to the doctor and when you get there, in walks homeboy. And homeboy is your doctor. And your doctor looks like a unicorn, has a telephone pole sticking out his face, her face right? And, and they're coming in, and they're like knocking things down, and there goes the monitor, there goes the nurse. I hear you have a speck. Let me help you. Boom, and they bang you off the head. That's what Jesus is saying. This is the picture. Oh, no, it'd be much more pithy. No, this is, he's, he's trying to paint this picture of how ridiculous that would look like. Now, let's get a little closer to home, because that's so silly. You're like, no doctor's going to have that happen. Okay, how about this? Leaders in a church trying to help someone with their finances and they're embezzling. Oh! That's a telephone pole, right? Judas? I mean, if you think, oh, it didn't happen, oh, Judas, and read the news, right? Uh, how about, you know, what, what would some other things look like? Um, man, there's just so many. I don't even want to get into them all because there's so many scandals that happen within the body that if you just don't know about it, you're just not paying attention. He's not saying that we don't ever help somebody. He's saying, listen, you hypocritical unicorn, take it out. Get yourself right with God. Why? So that you can be helpful. You, you, you're needed here. But you can't see because you're so stuck in your sin. You won't talk to other people about their sin. Why? Because you know you're a liar. Or if you do, you'll do it in such a way that's very prideful to make yourself feel better about your log. That's what he's saying. 
right? Um, and then when people get busted, we say silly things like this. And I've heard this said in well-meaning ways, but oh, we're all sinners. I've heard this from the pulpit. What a joke. We're all sinners. Church is full of hypocrites. We could use a couple more. Stop. Stop. Because you're just making excuses for your sin when you do that. And then before you know it, everybody's doing the same thing. That stuff is so damaging to the church that, that what ought to happen is you step down and you'd be restored to the family of God, but never to the office if you were a pastor or a leader, depending on the severity. Well, that sounds a little harsh. Yeah, but it's the most loving. It's most loving. These things are stunning realities that Jesus is talking about. And what he's talking about is, is being before doing. Receive. Receive. And then from your heart will flow all these pieces. Second and final point with no time left. That's my norm. I should just write one. I'm just going to do one point from now on. <laughs> I, I'm, ser- I'm serious. There's, there's no rules against this. Jesus' disciples are to be known trustworthy and helpful I think you get the point right Um, I think you get the point that's exactly what he's saying here what what he's saying here is people use your discernment think about who you're following not just within the church gathering but online in the books you read in the podcast you listen to right (sighs) don't follow people who say and talk a big game, but you've never seen them actually work through forgiving someone. Because I I don't care how well they preach lights out or how well they teach or how well they write a book or they might show up to a missional community group and sound like they just got it all together. How do they love? How do they forgive? How do they welcome people that they don't actually want to pat on the back from? Okay, then Apostle Paul says, follow me while I follow Christ. So the question becomes this, can you say that with integrity? Most of you are going to say no, because many of you are hard on yourselves. I've talked to a lot of you to know that. Um, What Jesus is saying is no splinter detection without telephone pole removal. He's saying, get your eyes right. Look at me, right? Um, I, I know I want to say at least a couple more things before we for, for, you know, finish up. One thing is I definitely want to say is sometimes you hear a sermon like this, and I don't want to take the heat out of the kitchen. I never want to do that because th- that's me trying to, to control some things. This is a pretty intense little section of Scripture that Jesus is giving us here. So if you're feeling like the weight of that, remind yourself of Christ, remind yourself of the gospel, unload all of that burden upon him. But if you need to change, then then feel the weight of that. Because you're not condemned. If you're in Christ, you're not condemned, you're loved. And his love's what, his kindness leads to repentance. Right? It's it's a great thing when God reveals, "I, I got some... Telephone pole sticking out my head here. That's not good. It's kindness that he shows you that. Why? Because he loves his child. It's not good you're running around with telephone poles sticking outside your head. He's revealing that to you. Why? So that you, 
you could go to someone who's maybe able to help you. Particularly the Holy Spirit who's great at removing telephone poles. But then some people that you trust, like I think these people will, will help me. And they'll help me move some of these things so that I can then heal up and maybe be helpful. But here's, here's what I'm saying. If you're thinking right now, if you're feeling crushed, and there's a way to feel crushed that's not helpful. And you're thinking, man, I've got so far to go. I've got so much to grow. I want to I read a quote to you from Kevin D. Young. He said this. You shouldn't take your spiritual temperature every day. You need to look for progress over months and years, not minutes and hours. Right? We, we got these cute kids in our church, right? We all know who they are. We don't want to bring too much attention to them. There's, and there's a couple over there, right? But they're, they're sweet. It would be horrifically harsh to look at them and say, bro, why aren't you, why aren't you making your own dinner? Why, why I got to keep making you, you know, crushed peas and feeding you, changing your diety? Why I got to do that? But we would do that in a spiritual way. Someone who was raised by a pack of wolves, literally, <laughs> comes to faith in Christ. They are a new creation, but all they know is how to bite and make a mess. That's where discernment comes in. That's where you got to learn, are they still a wolf or are they little Bo Peep just don't know how to do these things, right? Are they a sheep? That takes time and that takes the whole family. It takes the whole family. So be patient with yourselves and seek to grow, seek to learn, knowing, listen, that Paul said in Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It will happen. Rest assured, but let your rest encourage you towards transformation to be more like Christ. If you hope to finish well, by the way, my encouragement is surround yourself with people who are pursuing Christ. We need each other. That's, that's really what it is to be a part of a community. We're going to make sure that you get there because when you stumble, fall, trip in a dip, in a ditch, we're going to grab you, pick you up, dust you off, and say, let's keep walking. That's what families do. And so we need each other. So... We're going to get to work all this out in missional community, right? And, and in your own lives, just know that, that God is doing that work here. We've not arrived, but by God's grace, we will arrive safely to the shore. We will. Why? Because Christ has guaranteed it. So don't fear. Let's pray. All right, Father, thank you for this day. And Lord, we thank you for your saving, sustaining, and finishing grace. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Create in us this heart. Help us to be this community. And Lord, when we are not, when we don't, when we don't image you to one another, God, help us to be quick to forgive. Help us be quick to confess and change. Lord, we need so much grace, and I'm thankful that you're the God that is full of all grace. And so, Lord, give us more of yourself today, we ask in Christ's beautiful name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you found it helpful, we encourage you to enjoy more of our sermons, find out more information about For the City, or how to partner with us through prayer and giving at www.forthecity.church. For the City exists to magnify Jesus by making disciples who share and show the transforming power of the gospel and plant churches that multiply.